listeners to our second mini episode here on Erie International. I'm David and joined this week and day. We're recording this right after our other episode. Dave, what's up? Hello, David. I'm just your idea thought. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> when you started it, I was like, this is going to fall apart. And then the more you got into it, I was like, oh, that's actually not bad. It's terrible, but thank you for saying otherwise. <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, we'll probably do mini-sodes. We did one for Cloverfield Paradox, uh, and I talked about it at length, and then uh, Mitch joined up. Uh, Dave and I, as you've heard in past episodes, have uh, just finished Twin Peaks, the entire series, the film. Uh, in my case, the book, too. I read the final dossier book, or I read most Ooh. of it. Um, so I'll talk about that a bit. But we, yeah, we wanted to jump on and do a quick little episode and just discuss this crazy show. Uh, obviously, we're doing it without Andy because he hasn't finished the Showtime series. Uh, also, we basically know that this is going to be a very, very, very spoiler-heavy, directed only to people who have seen everything from mm. Twin Peaks. So yeah. if you were tuning in thinking, oh, I've never watched Twin Peaks. I want to hear what it's all about. This is not an episode to listen to. Um, we're not going to explain... The, what the entire show is <laughs> or the history or anything like this is literally just going to be us talking about what we thought of the Showtime show, the film, etc. Um, and it's going to be spoiler heavy. So if you haven't watched any of that stuff, I would absolutely highly recommend. We talk about spoilers all the time on the show. We talk about how is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? This is a situation. And I think you would agree, Dave, where there's so many things in the Showtime series and just the show in general in the film that are so I think are so much. Are, are much more suited to surprise mm. and to being able to experience it as opposed to having someone tell you about it that I would definitely urge you to not listen if you haven't watched. Because definitely. if you are interested in the show, watching the show is, is absolutely the best way to do it. Yep. Cool. Okay. So we got that out of the way. All right. Uh, so we talked about it back and forth on WhatsApp as we were finishing the episodes uh, and just different things. We kind of knew where each other was at. You were an episode or two ahead of me. Mm -hmm. um, so you were playing it safe by only talking about older <laughs> episodes. And then we finally caught up, talked about it a bit. Uh, and then I saw on WhatsApp, or not WhatsApp, on uh, Letterboxd, I saw your review on there. Um, and your review on there seemed very positive. So it, it sounds like overall as a whole, the Showtime series you were a fan of. Oh, yeah. I, I was very much so. Um, it, it has issues for me. Um, in the way that it paces some characters' arcs. Uh, and there are one or two characters that I just flat-out despise. Um, even, Who are those? Um, I, I think I, I didn't make any uh, secrets about the fact that um, that Sarah's character was absolutely... So, Wally Brando, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mar Wally Marlon Brando's Brando. He was fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> I, but I kind of... As soon as I realized what they were going for, like the idea that he might actually be um, Dick's uh, kid, and and he's essentially just genetically programmed to be an aloof fucking See, douchebag. I hadn't even thought about that until you brought it up. I've got yeah. a cough drop in my mouth, by the way, which is not good for a podcast, but I don't care. That's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about it at all until you said that. And then when you said that, I was like, man, I haven't seen anybody say that. But that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, and I think people forget that in season two, that's a huge that's a huge plot is which which guy is uh uh what's her name um Lucy's help me Lucy yeah which guy is Lucy going to pick yeah uh so yeah it, it makes sense but it that's a weird thing because when they first start that storyline it's a case of I'm I'm getting a, a genetic test done 
um, and we'll right. have the answer. And then it's almost like she just decides, now, nah, fuck it, I'm just going to pick whoever I think is best for the kid, which right. I absolutely 100% am behind her with that because, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, she's got to do right by her kid. And um, just because somebody put the bun in the oven doesn't mean that they're going to be the best father. And I think and she Dick chose is- well lives up to his name too oh he's a massive fucking dick um yeah, yeah i i'm a little bit disappointed that um little nikki uh didn't make a return uh <laughs> a plot point that people seem to hate but i as i've expressed in the past was into that too i didn't um, mind little nikki i i was a little bit annoyed that there wasn't really much payoff in the end like he just kind of disappeared and that storyline oh, yeah. just tapered off but there also you go. the first television uh or televised appearance of molly shannon she plays a social worker in one of those episodes in one scene and uh, is not funny. She's not like a comedic performance that she became known for mm. and is never seen again. Do you even know who Molly Shannon is? The name rings a bell. I just can't she was uh, She was a big SNL player for a long time and oh, was in a bunch sense. of comedies. I, I probably yeah. know her face, um, but yeah. for whatever reason, I, I must have missed her as a, as a social worker. I remember the scene. I just can't see her face for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I like... Um, the fact that they get Marlon Brando down to one scene, and I, I even though I absolutely hate him as a character, I, I like the idea behind the character, so that is redeeming certainly. Um, the only other, it's also, I, I sorry, I no, was going to okay. say before I leave that point, it's also I think, I mean, obviously you didn't like him, so I, it might be different for you. I thought it was really funny, so like it was a, it was, it funny. was a scene of comedy too that was felt a lot more accessible because the. The Showtime show does have comedy throughout, yeah. But it, it, much like the original show, there are times where you're like, "Is this intentionally funny?" Or and yeah. the, the Wally Brando stuff felt intentionally funny. It felt like they were saying, "Like you, you can laugh at this. This is ridiculous." Yeah. Um. And and it was a gag. Like it, it's not a reoccurring thing either. No, I I accidentally called him Marlon Brando there, but that's just because he looks so much like him with that jacket okay. and the hat and the bike and, the, and everything. The impression, yeah. He just he reminds me of every coffee shop douchebag I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, he's great. Oh man, um, he's the best MVP. Okay, well let's leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really like how long. Do, do you know what? Like I I love me some Carl McLaughlin and I'll have as much of him on my screen as I can manage and it was just as well that he had his doppelganger that he could actually act like a human being with because I wasn't a big fan of um fucking Dougie Dougie Jones Doug, the Dougie Jones thing I do you know what what upsets me about the Dougie Jones thing is the fact that so blatantly nobody who he interacted with realized that he was essentially like suffering from either some sort of mental issue or... he's, just, he's just empty yeah he's yeah. like like nobody I think that, twigged i think that that was uh, there's a on the blu-ray set there's a comic-con panel that i watched it's like an hour long and somebody asked that question hmm. and naomi watts says like you know i think that there are a lot of people and this was her take she wasn't saying this was lynch's and, and no. Frost's take but she was saying i think there are a lot of people that have that sort of suburban life where everything's on autopilot and for Janie E, which is a great name, yeah. she's probably just playing the role that she already felt like she was playing, which is running their family, like ignoring the dysfunction, ignoring that he's not a good a good dad I or whatever else. Yeah, I absolutely get that bit. Sorry to, to cut you off there. I, 
I, I completely get that, and and I I'm behind that hundred percent. But it's the fact that every interaction he has with everyone, whether it's Janie E and um, Sonny Jim, who again an, an amazing name, um, <laughs> the kid from Looper too. Oh damn, I didn't even yeah. think of that. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's the fact that he goes to work and nobody notices that he's obviously suffering some sort of mental block there, or. Um, or they don't notice that he's different <laughs> he... at all. Like he's dressed different. He's lost a shitload of weight. He's got different color hair for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah. But everybody's just like, I, I guess he was. Uh, this is the other thing that it's like Dougie Jones. When you see him, the actual Dougie Jones is not a wallflower. Like he wears right. bright jackets. He's got the big hair. Um, you don't see him much, but you know from you from can like tell... the problems he's gotten himself into that he's obviously not. Yeah, like you said, yeah. he's not staying at home he's out there getting into trouble and getting mixed up with the wrong people and he's obviously high enough in his job that mm. he has to be able to to function socially in order to work with exactly his co-workers and his clients and mm. i think a lot of that is the you can chalk it up to like the the surrealism of the show of like why oh, i mean and again yeah i'll give him a pass on that one but and it happens across the board too like the the Jim Belushi, like the mob stuff with the the girls, like the one girl, I forget her name. It's like Candy, I think. Yep. Where she's kind of that way too, where she's mm-hmm. like, she's mm-hmm. always zoned out and they, it's kind of an ongoing gag and joke of, of like, Candy, are, are you understanding what we're saying well, to you? I, like, I started wondering with her whether she might have been in the same boat as, um, as, uh, as Coop, like whether maybe... Be. Yeah, and and maybe it was intentional. I don't know, but I accepted Candy more for the fact that um, I guess that you know she she was just vacant for a reason. But we didn't know her before then, and right. we, we didn't know why she was the way she was. Um, I, I I've no, read I, st- I read stuff about how the actress who is a an Irish actress whose name escapes me right now. Um, she said that uh, she apparently has a very kind of tragic backstory as a character, but they never really explore that in the show itself. So that must be something that's written into um, either the, the the declassified files or um, you know it's something that they kind of made up on the spot. And, and it's not in that that I remember, but yeah, I, I would totally buy it being something that Lynch or Frost told her. She was like, "All right," and no one will know. <laughs> like yeah. the yeah the the Dougie stuff, I. We talked about this a bit on WhatsApp. At first, I was like, I, I kind of sensed after Cooper comes back into Dougie's body and he's not back. Like he's mm, mm. he's taken over his body, but Cooper, as as we know him, is not back. I had a feeling after an episode or two, he's probably going to be like this for the rest of the show, like for most of the rest mm. of the show. If not, in the ultimate sort of Lynchian, I'm not going to give you what you want because this isn't commercial TV sort of move. He was never going to come back. So I, I started to kind of prepare myself for that of yeah. like, you know, we might never not see him at all like that. I, I could totally see that happening. I mean, just like the movie came out and everybody was like, oh, more Twin Peaks. And then Lynch was like, yeah, it's more Twin Peaks, but it's the week before the TV show. And you're not going to get any answers to the stuff that you're pissed off that you don't know about from the show. <laughs> we ended on this giant cliffhanger. Yeah. None of that stuff's going to come into play, even though the, sh- the movie does have some stuff uh, that is kind of set after because like annie isn't annie shows up and in, in one of laura's dreams and it's clearly she's time like traveled back after the show has ended mm. uh which was a cool scene but that, so that annoyed me slightly that we didn't hear anything more about annie she's in the book so the okay. the final dossier stuff if you're really into i like the final dossier book more than the secret history book because 
it definitely gets more into the character stuff. The Secret History is very much a history book. It's still very cool if you're into that, but um, this final dossier is each each chapter is basically a character, and you get information either after the original show and movie um, that you get blanks filled in, or some of it is even after the show, hmm. um, after the Showtime show. So she has a chapter in there, and basic. I mean, do you want me to tell you? I assume it doesn't end well, if only because Nora says in one scene that, or someone says to Nora that she doesn't have any family. So I'm guessing yeah, it doesn't she's, end well. It's not like she's not. I mean, so, so again, this is all spoilers, but um, yeah, she's in a. She came out. She they got her out. Like so, she came back out of the Black Lodge, and then hmm. um, she's in. She ended up in a, a mental institution, like a hospital. Uh. And the the one thing that Frost writes in there, and it's important too, I think to note that these books are written by Mark Frost by himself. And I've even seen Lynch talk about how like those are Frost books. So I don't, I don't think in a pissy way as much as he was just like, those are his things like giving him full, full credit for, for doing that. So I, I have a, I'm pretty positive Lynch has never even read the, those, <laughs> those books. So they may, it depends on what, how nerdy you are about Canon, but in the, in the breakdown, the one interesting thing that Frost puts is that, Every year on her birthday, she, she's catatonic, doesn't speak. But every year on her birthday, she says she repeats one phrase over and over again. And that's I'm fine, which uh, ties into how's Annie from the finale of the original series. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's basically all you get. And that's kind of how the chapters are in relation to these characters. Like you get some stuff. Now, some of them are pretty interesting if you're really into uh, doing the fan theory stuff like I think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the bigger ones being Audrey and you pretty much get confirmation in the final dossier that, uh, Doppelkoop is, um, Richard's dad, which yeah. you can pretty much deduce from the show, man, that, that scene where he gets shocked out of nowhere is crazy. <laughs> that, I loved that's it. That's one of the, it's great. It's so absolutely nuts. loved it. Um, but that, uh, it, it says that Cooper showed up in her, she was in the hospital after the bomb blew up in the bank. And Cooper shows up um, and then leaves. And that was the last time anybody saw him. And then like nine months later, she was she had this kid. So one of the other things that's been said, because she also sort of disappears and becomes reclusive. uh, And one thing I've seen online and it makes it tracks with what happens in the Showtime show is that maybe she, like Diane, is also a tulpa. And she's not who she is, because when she shows up in the show, finally, her scenes are nuts and have this own sort of reality that doesn't make sense. She says stuff like she doesn't feel like she's herself. She's not in her body. That's not real. Like she has this sort of breakdown that Diane sort of has before she pulls that gun on him in that office. And the whole thing with like, she's in her own dream, her, her theme song plays from the original show and she dances and everybody in the, that was an amazing uh, scene. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, and like that. but it, it also lines up with when it cuts at the end of that episode, she's screaming in a mirror and you can see white around. She's suddenly not in the in the roadhouse. Mm-hmm. And people are like, that's her in the in a mental hospital too. Like she's none of that none of what we saw in the show is real. And to oh. me that tracks because <laughs> the one guy, her husband, that dude is is awesome on the show, but he's He's like their their dialogue and their conversations back and forth mm. are feel so I think that's one of the more successful 
like subtle moments in the show where something feels otherworldly because it's just through their dialogue and interactions, but it doesn't feel real. Like it, it, it almost does feel like a dream yeah. where they're saying certain phrases and repeating things and everything takes forever to happen. Like he has that whole thing where he's like, I'm, I'm putting, if I put on, if I take this coat off, you know, they have that whole thing about him taking his coat off and on and leaving and all that. So yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there. Just, that, yeah. I mean, that's just made something click in my head. If, if she's in, a mental institution herself could her husband technically actually be her psychiatrist or her doctor like a guard or something yeah 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 right. and then mean, the, it... and these conversations that she's having with him are kind of like therapy sessions where i don't know i don't know it's weird because then you get these and, and i love these by the way like the fact that every episode ended with a musical number at the um at the roadhouse yeah, uh, but like I think about fifty percent of the episodes also ended with just a random kind of um, talking, like head to head, kind of um, across the table, like two random people we've never met talking yeah. about random about stuff. other people that we never see. Yeah, like, that was the like Billy. I who the fuck is Billy? You never see him. Yeah. yeah, and that was one of the things that I, I I'm okay with now. As I was watching it, it was starting to get on my nerves because I was like. Man, I'm having a hard enough time following the show <laughs> just in general. The yeah. fact that they're talking about all these characters where I'm like, did they show this person? I'm not remembering because it's a new character. Well, I'm just... Only to look it up in the Twin Peaks Wikipedia yeah. page to be like, yeah, we never see that guy. Well, do, do you, well, I wonder, are they making another season of this? I mean, officially, no. They, they've they uh... said there's been no plans for it. Um, Lynch said that if they did, it wouldn't be for another five years. Okay. None of them have ruled it out. They've all basically just said, like, I mean, maybe. Like, I just wonder if maybe if, if that was the case, that they were setting these characters up for a potential appearance in, like, a following series or something. Maybe. I also get the sense that that's not anything they would even remotely care about doing. Like, I, no. I feel like this is very much, like, if they never make any more Twin Peaks, they're going to be 100% okay with Oh, that. yeah. I mean, like, I'm I'm <laughs> totally satisfied if this is where it all ends like, well, me too, but I mean fine. for them, like the creators, like Frost mm, and Lynch, mm. like it, it feels very much like this is just like, yeah, we did more and maybe we'll do more. Maybe we won't <laughs> like there's no usually with with showrunners and stuff. There's always a, like we'd love to do more if, mm. if the fans watch it, you know, well, I mean, they went, none of that. They went 25 <laughs> years or 27 years or whatever um, sure. <laughs> before making this. So I'm, I'm sure they could probably go another five years. I just um, I desperately need more shouty shouty fbi is it oh i can't remember it's gordon oh yeah cool <laughs> i need more of him in my life i loved how much we got of him and albert and <laughs> i, I like so the new i like the new agent a lot too i really um, really wondered if she was going to turn out to be like what we've eventually found out to be called a tolpa or you know just like a double yeah. agent on behalf of uh, doppelkoop or something like that there was something Ch really tammy is that her name yeah, yeah. i think it was tammy there's something really off about her um she's awesome she i, I love I the way that she, yeah like the way the way that she walks around like a bloody catwalk model and like she's <laughs> yeah. got an impossibly thin waist and these huge hips and she just doesn't look like your t prototypical fbi agent like you know i i think of fbi agents i i think of uh silence of the lambs with clarice starling and right. like you know even though both actresses that played clarice are very attractive women i don't think of them as being that kind of tammy kind of character like statuesque six foot something uh you know she looks like af really athletic 
Um, she has a history with Lynch. Like he, uh, they've made music together. Her name's Krista Bell, and I think she is a model, a musician. Um, I think this is her first acting thing. Um, and I wondered about that. I knew I knew who she was vaguely before I started watching. I knew she was the character that wrote the books, um, but I didn't know much beyond that. So there was part of me that was like, "Is she going to be okay in this?" Like, and the more I got into it, she reminded me a lot in some ways of, uh, um, oh, what's her name, Anna Torf's character in Fringe, Olivia. Um, mm-hmm. Like, she reminded me a lot of her, and I thought she had like she carried herself really well on the show, and she. She was a. I thought she fit really well with the trio, like the dynamic of her, Albert, and Cole. And I was shocked that Albert was in it so much because I knew he died. Yeah. Um. During, uh, or I think after he had finished his scenes, but they said that about all the people that died uh, that were making it because a few people did. Hmm. But when then you watch the show and it's like a lot of these characters from the original show are only in you know at most three or four episodes. Yeah. Um. And Albert's in. Almost every episode, oh, like he's man, yeah. he's pretty prevalent, like, and um, he's got that great moment too, where he's having the dinner with that girl, mm, uh, which I thought mm. was really cool. It felt there were a lot of moments in the Showtime show that, as much as I think people railed against it or it didn't click for them because it was so crazy and out there and strange, I felt like there still were a lot of moments that felt very cathartic for yeah. you as the viewer. Like mm, we talked about on WhatsApp, like the music cues at the end. Yep. Um, when Cooper eventually does come back, like you just, there are these <laughs> huge moments of euphoria for you as a viewer where you're just like, man, this is so cool. And yeah. I'm so I, happy. Was, like I, Ed and, uh, what's her name from the diner? Um, Norma. Oh like, yeah. 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 That scene was great. So yeah. Um, yeah. Like the, um, I, I felt watching it that something was missing and then Coop comes back and that music kicks in and I was just like, oh, yeah. yes, fucking yes. Gets in. It was amazing. Um, and they, they framed that shot of him saying, I am the FBI, the exact oh, same way yeah. they did that shot from the original of him doing the thumbs up. And it was yes. really cool. <laughs> I love the fact that other people, were when he was in his catatonic state, other people were giving him that thumbs up exactly like that. Right. And he was just like, you know, he didn't exactly know what to do. There was a couple of moments that made me like legitimately kind of like heart in mouth stuff. Not heart in mouth, but like I... I, I teared up i had a lump in the throat whatever the first one was um the lady that told him to go fuck himself and then ended up winning a bunch of money uh when he was at the casino and, oh you know, yeah she, she, she turns back. yeah she turns up and uh, he's like oh mr jackpot i got my life yeah. back i've got my house back my son's you know i'm seeing my son again and it was like that was just like a beautiful moment that even though he didn't really know what he was doing that was such a typical kind of that feels like something that coop would absolutely go out of his way to you know make make somebody's life easier oh in, yeah in that sense like you you always get the feeling that he he's a a, a good guy uh when whenever you uh you see him the other that's one, one of the things that mm. well you just nailed something i think is so key to the the ending of the show of the showtime show which was very divisive is i think like coop to me is one of the best modern fictional characters of all time in, in part because he is so unironically good. Hmm. Like he's a guy that is so nice and so kind and will go out of his way, like you said, to help people out, calls people by name, has this like insanely generous heart and spirit that when you first encounter him in the original show, you're like, man, this guy's a dork. Like you, <laughs> it doesn't right. It doesn't click right away to where yeah. you're like, what's this guy's problem? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when you see him interacting with Sheriff Truman and their friendship, you're just like, man, this guy is awesome. Like he's, yeah. it's, it's so authentic and and that drive in him to always do the right thing 
to always save whoever needs saving. I think for me and my take on the ending is like the key to the way the show ends because ultimately, and that's one of the things that the the final dossier reveals uh, as she's finishing up the the dossier. She says that she went back to Twin Peaks and or interviews people there and goes into the library and sees that Laura Palmer's unsolved um, kidnapping or unsolved missing persons case is not a murder anymore. So she yeah. remembers that Laura Palmer was killed. So they so Frost confirms in that book that what we saw where Coop goes back in time, which I thought was awesome when he tied it into the movie where mm-hmm. she screams. Because when you watch the movie, that scene where she screams in the woods with James, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like she just screamed for no reason. Um, they they tie that in. Coop does save her, but she just disappears. And and ultimately, the last episode is them in another dimension or another timeline or whatever. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's the same thing. Cooper is still driven. He knows when he says goodbye to the people in the sheriff's office. He knows when he goes and sees David Bowie, who has turned into a giant tea kettle, which is a great <laughs> sentence. Um, and one of the reasons this show has become my favorite show of all time. Uh, he knows that he's, he's probably not ever going to come back, maybe. But ultimately, he, he needs to, he's still driven by that impulse to save yeah. Laura. Hmm. And so even in this other timeline where she's not Laura Palmer anymore... There's the, the ultimate sort of battle between good and evil still goes on and Coop is the ultimate good and he's still going to fight for her. He's still going to try to find her and and save her or whatever else. Mm. Um, so I, if you're if you have a cynical outlook or if you're jaded about the show or whatever else, it, it might not play that well for me when all of that kind of congealed in my head. I was like, yeah, no, mm. I love this. Like yeah. and there's really nothing at this point. It, it's almost the opposite of Cloverfield Paradox where. They by opening up all of these other possibilities, it, it doesn't feel like in Cloverfield Paradox they are basically just giving them an, an out. Oh no, uh, no, because this I'm feels I'm, like they're deepening it. If anything, I'm more confused now than I was like <laughs> at the beginning of of the Showtime show. Um, right. uh, you know, it, it doesn't. That, that they may well be able to say, oh yeah, well you know, we can do whatever we want because nobody understands what's going on anyway. Uh, right. But it does feel like there's always an idea behind it as to what's happening and why it's happening um the, the other moment that kind of just got me a, a little bit lump in throat was uh log lady i oh yeah yeah like you could tell looking at her like what, what a hell of a struggle it must have been for her to even just deliver those lines uh she looked very frail very ill she looked old in the 90s too like she yeah 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 she was super super old and it was just, you know, that the moment when um, she says goodbye to Hawk for the last time. I, I, Jesus, I think I let out a little whimper. Like <laughs> that was so well done on an emotional level. It was just like the perfect goodbye for an actress, a character, a human being. It, you know, it's like giving them their last moment um, where you know she goes out with dig- dignity and she she says you know goodbye hawk and uh, but only after she gives him vital information that helps them move forward with the case yeah. uh, she's not just a passenger she she's a driving force behind it and you find like you know later in the original series she was more of a driving force with that as well um that log uh, they they need to find that log and uh, put it in the witness protection program because uh, <laughs> there's going to be some extra dimensional beings that are going to be very angry uh with, with that character um i've just called a log a character for goodness sake it's the beauty of the show it's i saw him on uh, the sub the twin peaks subreddit that i don't know if it's real i'm assuming it's legit but mm. 
the actress uh, on her gravestone, she there's they have a, a log etched oh, in real life. Um, that's nice, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the I and I think like the what you just touched on with that, like the the show, I think very much is best experienced if you just clear. I mean, and this is hard to do, but clear all expectations out of your head and go with it because it does have way more. It has way more moments and way more character things and connections to the original show than I expected it to hmm. based off of how I had heard everybody talk about how it's this new thing. It's nothing like the original, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it's, it's definitely different. It's modern. It's more modern than the old show was like, and, and you can't expect it not to be like Frost and Lynch have, have grown as creative forces and they're not going to be the same writers that they were back then. And you know, that that's to be expected. But I think that the show does have a lot of the stuff that makes us love the original one so much still. It's just not that every single episode all the time. The stuff is definitely there to spread out, but they're telling new stories at the same time. They're in- if you're only in it to try to find, like, what happened to this person? What happened to that person? If that stuff is in your back of your head and you're interested in when those things happen, it's really cool moments. But I think you still have to kind of be into the new stuff and kind of going along with what they're doing. And I was pretty surprised how into all of it I was. Like, I wondered how much of it was going to be me waiting for Coop to show back up. And that was still there. And as we mentioned, when it happens, it's super awesome and hmm. cathartic and everything. But I liked Janie E. And I liked the the mafia dudes. And I liked, um, I really liked the, the, the surreal stuff with the Black Lodge and the new locations and hmm. that theater. And like the episode eight, which is the you know, real crazy banana time one where uh, that everybody talks about, I thought was amazing. Like I loved all the mythology stuff, the like minor guys that are running around, that got a light stuff and they're mm-hmm. pulling Bob out the, the British kid with the glove who punches Bob's uh, <laughs> soul form in the face. It's crazy. Oh man. Like, uh, yeah. That stuff's great, but it's, but it is different. It's new. And if you're not on board with the rest of that stuff, it is harder to, you know, because it's not the same thing yeah. anymore. I, but it, it is still very much, I think, the spirit. It has it, the spirit. So. It has enough connective tissue that you, it's definitely Twin Peaks, you know. Um, it, there are some things, again, like you've just reminded me of, um, I can't remember the character's name now or the actor. So this is going to be difficult. The the biker kid, not the annoying dickhead one the um the the kid james james yes yeah uh watching him singing that song um (laughs) yeah from the original show yeah it it tugged at heartstrings but at the same time i was like this is a 40 year old dude who sings like he's had both testicles removed i don't even know do you think it's his real voice he's credited at the end but it It, seems like it's not him i i think that that is what his singing voice sounded like back when they filmed original twin peaks and crazy. unfortunately, rather than having him record the song again now, they just decided to use literally exactly the same song. Like the <laughs> backing recording. singers are are definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, the um the two actresses from the original show. Uh, yeah. They just had them lip syncing over the top. Um, the mu- you mentioned the music earlier too. Mm. I, I, that was another thing we both agreed on WhatsApp. Just consistently great. Like, oh yeah. I don't think there was a single performance in the show that I was not into. Even if it was in genres or music that I don't typically listen to, I felt like the the music choices were always like, so spot on for the episode or the tone of the show. or mm-hmm. like it, it always gelled really well. There's a couple of bands that I'm going to be looking into after watching this uh, that performed at the end. There was one song which I remember thinking to myself was the catchiest thing that I'd heard all week. Um, I can't. I can't remember anything about it. I'm going to have to I only rewatch knew the if, endings to all of them now. I, 
I knew a few of them. Chromatics at the beginning, that dude, Johnny Jewel, that's in the band, he's up on the stage. He's the guy who did a lot of music for Drive and has a, a, a label called Italians Do It Better, which is really cool. I have some of their their music. I knew them. Obviously, I knew Nine Inch Nails. are my favorite band. Um, Lissy, the girl toward the end, the blonde girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known her for a bit. And then, oh, Eddie Vedder. <laughs> He's not called Eddie Vedder. They call him by his birth name, whatever that is. But did you and notice that? Of course, ZZ Top. <laughs> ZZ Top. Yeah, ZZ Top. They didn't perform live, but they definitely um, had a oh, performance yeah. from yeah, the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about the the people actually playing on screen. But yeah, there's a bunch of other great just needle drops in the movie too. The another scene we talked about that is great is when they played. Is it Green Onions? That that. Um, Oh, man, everybody's heard it. It's in the Sandlot. It's in a million movies. It's a super famous like blues mm, mm. song. Um, but they play it as we watch a guy sweep the roadhouse for like ten minutes. <laughs> oh man, yes, that was probably my favorite music video ever committed to film. Uh, it's yeah, great. It's so good. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, other characters that I I, I want to get around to. Like I, I think Naomi Watts needs a hell of a lot of praise, and she's already got some. But let's give her some more because. She was fantastic as Janie E. Um, uh, she has a moment as a character which would make her very easy to hate on because she, you know, she's suddenly looking at the new improved Dougie E. Sorry, Dougie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, her name is uh, is very strange. Sunny Jim E. <laughs> Sunny Jimmy. Uh, yeah. No. So she's looking at her new improved um, husband and um, thinking about all the stuff that he's done. And like, she has this moment where she's just like. I want to fuck this guy's brains out. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's very, it would be very easy with another actress to think, oh, okay, so now everything's going well and good and nice and everything. Now your husband is in fighting condition. And by the way, Carl McLaughlin is in amazing shape. Dude, I was shocked. In that physical scene where she notices yeah. him, he's got his shirt off, I yeah. was like, this dude is in impeccable shape. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's and crazy. The thing is, like, I'm pretty sure he's always been in that shape. Uh, yeah. he doesn't look, he never looks like he never looks even back in the 90s he doesn't look like he's a ripped dude or anything no he's athletic but, but he yeah. he wears a a shirt well to hide that um I guess. but yeah it would have been really easy to just kind of think to myself i really don't like this woman because she's she's all about him now that they're um you know she's forgiven the affair and everything because he's a he's a fit specimen he's a hunk of uh american 100 percent beef <laughs> um uh, it, but i didn't i was just like no that's lovely that's really lovely well, and the look and on his face when she is uh <laughs> doing things to him <laughs> yeah is his, his performance all of all three of his performances in the show are great yeah like the and what you were saying before like that it's not it ends up like there's that physical moment but it becomes more than that and that was one of the things I think I texted you as I, I hadn't gotten to the point yet. But when Coop wakes up, when he finally wakes up for good, mm. I think I texted you and I was like, man, I feel bad for Janie E and Sonny Jim. Like, yeah, they finally had this good relationship or the mm. beginnings of it. And it was a different person mm. and true to character, true to form. Like I was saying earlier about Cooper, like he that's one of the things that he makes sure to do before he gets uh, before he leaves them is I mean, <laughs> I guess ethically speaking, it's it's a little, uh, maybe a little bit questionable. Well, sending a tolper really, to go live with them? It's not really their husband, but yeah, but at least it's somebody who, it's not bringing the guy back that they knew that was a bad father and a bad husband. Like yeah. they, you still can tell that they have, are going to have somebody who cares about them. And I, I, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, that that felt a little bit bittersweet for me because I, I would have really loved, and I know why they didn't do it, because he had to go off and do his own weird time-traveling kidnap thing. Um, yeah. But I, I would have loved it if after everything was done and they'd finally, after 25 years, defeated Bob. If And, and that was fucking weird. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that, Super I'm weird, sure. but amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, it would have been lovely if he'd allowed himself some happiness and and gone back to them and you know just maybe not go back to the life as it was like working for an insurance company and whatnot but go back to them and and be the the good father that we all know that cooper could absolutely be the Um, only reason i think he that i thought that he didn't have any was because he really didn't have any connection with her like he did in the sense that he cared about her like he cares about everyone but there wasn't um, that was one of the things that did come out a little bit of le- left field for me because mm. there's nothing to indicate that he had or has had a romantic relationship with Diane. Um, and then when she, when she, when the real Diane finally shows up, you're like, Oh, they're, they're into each other. <laughs> like yeah. that was never brought up. Like, and Annie <laughs> apparently is not anything you care about anymore, which in a movie where David Bowie turns into a giant kettle in a storage room and, mm okay yeah. <laughs> but it was weird that suddenly it was like okay he and diane are a thing now and we have two episodes left but okay yeah. <laughs> like, i think the word weird is definitely the word i would use it is the operative <laughs> word in all aspects of this series it's so strange like there's the the, the early moments in the first few uh, episodes where um like he's it's in black and white and he encounters the woman with no face and uh oh, yeah. then she takes him up to the the roof of the box and turns on the tea kettle boiler thingy and then flies off the edge of the box and apparently then appears in front of the all-knowing Andy who is fucking amazing. Um, oh, yeah. I I love um Savant uh, Andy. I I, I was really shocked do. when that happened. When he got pulled into the other oh, I don't think it was the Black Lodge but one of those other locations. I feel I feel like that that is the White Lodge. I don't know why. I wondered about that too. Like Yeah. Because they, they talk, about, talk it about, about it in the original it. show, but never show it. They always talk about it, but um, I mean, I, I suppose the White Lodge could just be like our idea of heaven. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I the, the Black Lodge did because it, it this black and white place where he finds himself definitely feels very different from the uh, the Black Lodge where he's been stuck for the last twenty five years. Um, which we're all very familiar with, with the red velvet uh, curtains and, and the, the black and white squiggly floor and uh, the Venus de Milo statue and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Black Lodge is also the White Lodge and it's just a matter of perception. I don't know. I, it's it's very weird. The, it's very open to, to, to your own... Well, the way they describe it in the original is what you said. Like, the White Lodge would be where everything good is. So maybe our equivalent of heaven or, and the black lodge almost, they set it up like it was almost like purgatory. You'll like it was your own demons and face yourself. And yeah. yeah, like the bad stuff is there too. It's not, it's not the white lodge, but the new stuff, I, part of me was like, maybe this is the white lodge. And the other part of me was like, maybe this is just new stuff. <laughs> like maybe this is just because the giant plays a different character in this. Mm. Um, mm. They call the fireman. And he doesn't necessarily seem to be the same version of himself from the original. I mean, I had a lot more fun with that stuff, and I really loved it the the moment I stopped trying to figure it out. Because there's some stuff where I'm just like, there's not answers. There's not going to be answers here. 
Hmm. And there was definitely enough there that as I watched it, I was like, I think I, I follow what's happening. Like the, the thing that they introduced at the end, the concept of Judy and the ultimate evil or whatever, I was like, okay, that's probably that thing that threw up that stuff that Bob was in. And yeah. that was the, you know, evil created out of evil thing. And that, did you notice when they, when he goes to that diner in the alternate dimension last episode, it's called Judy's diner. Like there were, I didn't actually, there are different things that happen there. And then I saw this online and then one of my good friends, who's a huge Twin Peaks fan, he sent it to me as well. Um, they mention how Judy is what they call it now, but it's a name that has changed over millions of years, you know, thousands of years or whatever. Mm, yeah. And, um, Originally, it was like Zhao Day or Zhao, Zhao Da or something. Yeah, yeah. And I guess somebody figured out that that is the, I think, Mandarin. Um, I think it's Mandarin um, word for explanation or like to explain something. And okay. what people are saying, and no one knows for sure, and David Lynch will obviously never say this, is that that is David Lynch's way of saying the ultimate evil is to explain, is to explain something. Uh, the ultimate bad thing would be to, you know, yeah. go go into all the details, which makes sense <laughs> for him. Mm, <laughs> so definitely. it's another kind of cool thing if you take it into that context. But, yeah, um, I, I loved the stuff, too, with the what what, what maybe, again, I have my own sort of theories of how I pieced it together, and it sounds like they were pretty close to yours but the stuff with laura palmer's mom um mm, that and, was weird yeah like it, it, it's crazy I, and I really think, sad uh, yeah like, i i think it's fairly obvious um from from watching it that this girl that gets the insect climb into her face is yeah. probably um mrs palmer i think it's um, meredith is that her name i can't remember i can't remember either no. anyway um so I, I I think it's it's definitely her. Um, I think it gets a little bit shady where it comes into like um, what the intention was there, like you know why is um, this thing inhabiting her? Um, because you didn't get any inkling of that during the original show whatsoever. Um, she was obviously visibly upset when Laura died. And she didn't seem to recognize Bob for what he was either. Um, in, in fact, she had those uh, scenes where she would see Bob kind of crawling towards her or appearing at the end of the bed. So those two things are obviously unrelated. Um, they It might even be that they're on opposite sides. So maybe this bug, even though it seems like a very evil thing to do to kind of inhabit the body of a, a young girl, Maybe it's on the right side of things, or maybe it's just warring factions and they're all evil. I don't know. But it was really fucking weird to see all that happening. And then yeah. when she rips that guy's throat out and then just that sits down crazy. casually and just has another smoke and a drink, and somebody turns up and he's like, oh, we got a dead one on the floor. <laughs> he said, what did you do? Nothing. He fell over. Right. Well, It is your... crazy because, like, mm. obviously she's guilty in some way, but yeah. ha- there's no way to prove it the thing is there there is literally no blood on her whatsoever like right um and and you know the uh the the pertinent question would be okay where is the rest of his throat because half of it is missing it's not like he fell over and ripped it open on the pool table or something like that like it's literally gone so what the fuck happened there no it was so strange and it's another one of those things that 
it's frustrating because we didn't really get a full explanation or any kind of explanation. We we didn't even get many clues as to what the the, the idea behind this was. Um, you know what the what the the game plan was for this insect thing. Uh, you had a great name for it, which I can't quite remember what you said now. <laughs> I don't remember. Was I it insect it... frog motherfucker thing? I, I, yeah, yeah, something frog like that. Frog was part of it. It has like frog legs, which are frog frog legged insect thing. Unnerving. Yeah, frog legged bird insect. Yeah, uh, I think that's something. Yeah, right. um, we, we don't know what the, the what the plan for that thing was, and and just like the, the idea that will. all these characters were maybe just being used by these other dimensional beans as pawns like they i mean laura was sent down yeah. you know that was basically supposed to be laura and that was to be used as a tool to sort of fight the the evil in some way i mean she obviously had the ability to see stuff and that's explored in fire walk with me which definitely plays a big part in the, in the showtime show mm. um which i liked a lot i was surprised how much i liked the movie i figured it would be i did yeah kind liked, of a side thing but yeah no, it's cool no, i liked how it clarified things a lot it was a shame that they couldn't get all of the original actors back uh yeah that was the weirdest thing was seeing yeah what's her name i don't even remember her name now and she's not in the showtime show at all they don't even talk about her no um, um the 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 other Hayward, donna yeah yeah um the the other thing that um I love seeing her father uh, turn up on Skype like that. That thing was amazing. Yeah. Like, how do you use Skype? I don't know. And then he, he pulls that stick down and, <laughs> and his desk just transforms into this Skype station. <laughs> it was amazing. amazing. But, you know, on that subject, Frank. I uh, I like Truman. Yeah, I like Frank Truman. Oh, I loved him. I love Robert Forster, though. Like, yeah. Robert Forster could be could He's play an amazing actor. He could have played but, Wally Brando, and I would have praised it, it. Well, yeah, I think I would have preferred that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't hate uh, Michael Serra at all, but, um, you know. <laughs> just <laughs> let, Let's just wrap, turn up that um, preposterousness to 10, shall we, and then push it <laughs> on to 11. Um, but I missed Harry. I really missed Harry. And Me too. I, I don't – like, the actor that plays Harry, is is he departed? I don't no, he re- he, he retired, and I guess oh. really stuck to it. So he retired a while ago, and okay. from everything I read, was just like, "No, I'm done. I'm out." That's so, a shame. That is I like that they didn't kill him. Like that, it, it never felt. It, it's still, it's crazy. It, it's we've seen so many movies where a character isn't killed off, but they're written off in a way where they're like, "Oh yeah, they're on vacation," you know, something to where you're like, oh, "Okay." Hmm. It it was weird in this show. It still very much felt like he was around. Like. They he's constantly talking to him on the phone or like they make references to him and mm. and that he's gone to see him and stuff. And obviously it's all right. Like it's all writing to excuse the fact that he's not there. Yeah. But I, I don't know. And maybe this is just an emotional attachment to the show. But for me, I felt better. I was almost kind of like, all right, Harry's still there. And mm. like he's mm. he's still part of the community and yeah. we're not going to see him. But like because he's such a good character. I, I was very confused in the first couple of episodes because Lucy um says to that insurance guy well which which sheriff truman do you want <laughs> they had a doppelganger do want, too <laughs> yeah do you want the one that's fishing or the one that's at the hospital and he didn't know and that insurance man felt it was kind of like i felt like i was the insurance man i didn't know what was going on <laughs> i ended up going to wikipedia and uh there's a a twin peaks wiki that um yeah. I, I went to and eventually it explained that apparently um is it fred or frank it's frank isn't it 
I think it's Frank. I got yeah. his name wrong, yeah. Um, so Frank was Sheriff Twin Peaks before Harry and then took over again as Sheriff after Harry was ill. So He was the Sheriff of another town, I think. Like, it was in uh, Washington okay. still. Like, he yeah. was nearby, and he had retired from... Uh, this might be in the final dossier. Mm. He was retired, and then, yeah, when Harry became sick, he came in. Came back in. And the, you mentioned that Lucy thing. That's I'm glad you said that, because this reminded me. One of one I, I thought the weaker like weird joke things is like she didn't understand how cell phones work that did not <laughs> it did not play for me no i all. love that i absolutely I was like, love that it drove me crazy because i was like <laughs> she and andy were both ditzy but they weren't dumb like that that was one thing that weirded me out but they slam dunk that payoff at the end where yeah. she where she comes in and, and shoots bob or shoots doppel, doppel how cell phones work now. and she's like i finally understand how cell phones work it was pretty great so yeah. they redeemed themselves for and me also, I, at the beginning i was like man this is too weird yeah <laughs> but, that, this um, doesn't make sense also like there was a lot of um visual stuff when andy was in the the lodge whichever one it might be i'm beginning yeah. to suspect it was the white lodge because if they're the ones that sent um laura to earth then obviously they had a good motive for sending us so that, right. that's where i'm landing on that at the moment but when he was in the white lodge and uh, it's amazing watching his dumbstruck face and him talking backwards and everything it just felt right for some reason um he then has like visions of him um walking lucy very specifically to a certain part of the station and then turning around and running away and for me i think that has landed for me as him traveling through time and kind of positioning her even if she's unawares in the place where she stood when she shot. Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Doppel, doppelganger. D- doppelganger, yeah. Uh, because she does appear out of nowhere. But if, if you look at the way she's, where she's standing, it does look very similar to the placement where Andy was putting her before turning around and running off. But that whole, um, the, the whole fight sequence between Bob and. Um, I don't, a garden glove man, I guess we can call him. <laughs> yeah, that kid. The gloved Avenger. That's what I was calling him on the, on on WhatsApp, wasn't it? Uh, that was kind of amazing, but also frustrating because it was just like ev- all that everyone else was doing was get up, get up, fight. Yeah, that that whole scene is paced so weird too. Like it, there's just it just takes it just stretches. Like there's mm. so many moments where it's like now everyone's freaking out and watching it levitate. Now it runs around the room. Then it charges. Like, there's not, like, a, a fight pacing to it, which, I mean, yeah. makes sense again. It, it's not like any video game boss fight I've ever encountered, <laughs> which sure. is probably what weakens it for me. David Lynch doesn't do video games. And if no. he did, it would probably be Fahrenheit. Um, that Actually, <laughs> do you know what? If you want to play a video game that embodies everything that David oh. Lynch stands for... The, I know what you're talking about. The Indigo Prophecy. Yeah, the Indigo yeah. Prophecy, or as it's known in the UK, Fahrenheit is an extremely Lynchian um, video There's a game. bunch of references, right? Like cherry pie and coffee and... Yeah, uh, I think there are, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very good game. Um, it didn't get anywhere near the plaudits that it should have done at the time. Um, a lot of people have gone back to it retrospectively because of the fact that the uh, the development studio is headed by David Cage, who, um, you know, they, they ended up going on to do Heavy Rain and... Um, they Beyond did two souls. souls, which didn't get as much play as they would hoped. I would have thought, and um, they're doing Detroit at the moment, which looks like a very interesting game. So definitely check out Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy if you're rather. Um, I, I think that that's a game that needs a little bit more love, even if it does have quick time events in it. 
<laughs> it's true. Yeah. There's a there's playthroughs of that on YouTube. That's where I've experienced a lot of it because it was harder to find for a while here. Um, okay, so I'm trying to think if there's any other like last thoughts of the mini episode, so we can we'll start wrapping it up. Um, like, yeah, I, I I mean I think we both are just big fans. <laughs> it sounds like I mean there definitely. are little quibbles here and there, but out of an 18 episode season. I never, I was always into the next episode. Like I, mm. I never, I never hit a lull for me or where I was like not invested or not interested. Um, and I've kind of become conditioned now to like really preferring 10 episode seasons of things because it feels leaner and you're not getting a ton of filler. And this was 18 episodes and it felt like just 18 chapters of a big story mm. and yeah. it played really well for me. I'm, I'm all for TV producers um creatives anyone involved to make as many episodes as you need in order to tell the story at a good pace i i think this whole idea and i, I this isn't something that you know i i know what you're saying david and i'm not kind of taking a position against you or anything like that at all uh, i'm agreeing with you in a sense uh, this whole idea of um a standard length season needs to to disappear because um if you look at the um and here I go back to the being a massive anime weeaboo super fan uh if you look at anime that they will range anywhere from ten episodes, twelve episodes all the way up to fifty two episodes. It takes as long as it takes. There are some right. bad examples of that, but for the most part, they will scale their series to the number of episodes that they need to tell the story and I, I think, think the writing team in the in the the head writers or the showrunners are a big part of that. Like Lynch and Frost mm. wrote every episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, when you get into the traditional like American writing room where you have a showrunner that writes the first episode and the last episode, mm. and then there's a writer's room and you, you inevitably end up with a lot of filler because the arc that they've come up with isn't going to stretch that far. So Lynch and Frost wrote this as a movie script. They literally wrote a however many thousand page script and then they chopped it up <laughs> to yeah. 18 episodes which mm. not everybody has the luxury of doing it that way but no, of course not it, but it, it definitely worked here if this was made by someone that didn't have the same amount of stroke that they did at that time then you could very easily see it being 18 episodes of story related stuff and then let's chuck in five filler episodes to be interspersed throughout them uh, uh, to get it up to 23 which is your, your you know that's your half year there um right. and I'm glad that they they didn't do that and they just kept it to 18, which is a very strange number in terms of uh, when you're making a TV show. I can't think of many other TV shows that have run for 18 weeks. Um, yeah, me neither. But, you know, normally it's 10, 12, or 23 because of... Well, the, the whole thing that. was even stranger because, I don't know if you remember this, but they had uh, Lynch, like, left the project and and, show, and announced that he had mm. left and it was creative differences and they weren't going to be making Twin Peaks after all. Yeah. And then, like, two weeks later... Showtime and he I think he also mentioned budget problems and two weeks later Showtime was like hey we figured it out it, like it's 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 back on uh, also we're doing 18 episodes instead of nine <laughs> which mm -hmm. was I always wondered what happened there it made me wonder if he had 18 and then they were like how about nine though because that's closer to what's kind of the standard and, now yeah and he called them on their shit he and he just, walked he was yeah. just like do you know what you can't make this without me so I'm off and then they thought yeah we really want this though so they yeah, came back we'll to find him. the money <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly but you know you look at um Game of Thrones is a fantastic example of this in that the uh, the showmakers have so much power now because of how in demand they are how successful they've been with that show that we're getting into the final season now and believe me it looks like winter has come out there today I'm looking out the window now <laughs> and um 
they are making i think the standard series was 10 episodes last series i think they made nine and this upcoming series they're going to be even shorter yeah they're going to be like seven episodes but they're going to be almost feature length episodes each so you know that just goes to show like if you have enough power behind you if if you have the ability to say well i just won't make it for you then um then you can get things done you can do it how you want and you can tell the story in the amount of time that suits it but we really need to get away from these 10 12 and 23 standard episode uh you know kind of uh, formulas like let, let's just take a story make it in a number of episodes that make sense and um you know look at twin peaks look at game of thrones those are examples largely or or less so uh of of the fact that you can do that totally. and, uh, and i hope yeah, that if they do more than they go in that format for sure yeah and I, I hope that in another five years we're talking about um twin peaks the return the return um <laughs> and I the, re- the return also <laughs> <laughs> the second return um oh no twin peaks and robin that will be it wouldn't it <laughs> yeah they <laughs> i would love that um <laughs> Listeners, let us know if you if you watched all this. We're obviously late to the game. This all finished last year, um, and we just now got around to it. So I know that this is a pretty random, um, you know, episode to, <laughs> to release right now. Um, but I'm sure many of you watched it. So let us know, erieinternational@gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we uh, just make sure you note that maybe in the subject line, be like, "There's Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks spoilers in here," so Andy doesn't read it and uh, get the next season spoiled for him uh we'll be back uh soon for an episode on high tension thanks for listening we'll see you next week bye bye